0: Welcome to Liz Collin Reports. On the podcast, a retired Minnesota sheriff and police leader speaks out on the recruitment crisis in that profession. Matt Bostrom spent 34 years in law enforcement before retiring in 2016 as Ramsey County Sheriff. His work has continued at the Center for Values. His organization focused on increasing trust through shared value-based initiatives. Sheriff Bostrom, thank you so much for being my guest and for joining me.
1: Thank you for the invitation, Liz. Glad to be here.
0: I want to start with your experience. You've been around a little while. I'm not trying to age you at all, I do promise. Uh, but I know that you, you've you seen uh, the pendulum swing a bit back and forth uh, in that time. Just, just tell us about your experience.
1: Yeah, so my experience, I'll go back to my earliest memories of police officers, and it actually was my father. Uh, my father uh, joined the St. Paul Police Department in 1964. I was about two and a half at that time. So you can imagine as a little kid, that's dad was going to work that's what I remember he was going to work and and he'd have his friends come over and they were wearing police uniforms so it was just part of our lives Uh, and and they were fantastic people so from the earliest level I was I've been around police officers Uh, my journey into law enforcement is uh, I didn't expect to be in law enforcement in fact I was at the University of Minnesota studying to be an engineer Um, and through a series of circumstances Uh, that if people are really interested, I can give you the long story. But the short story is I decided to take the uh, police officer's exam. It was the last open exam that they allowed in St. Paul. And and this will, I think, play into some of the numbers you'll probably talk about later. But at that time, so we're talking 1981, 1982, that was that era of recession, really no jobs. 2,100 people signed up for that exam, and they weren't even sure if they were going to have a police academy. Now I took it for experience. I was hoping to be a civil engineer, meaning that at some point I'd have to take civil service exams. This would be a good thing for me to take. Well, as fortune would have it, uh, I passed that test high enough. They invited me back for subsequent oral tests, psychological exams, physical fitness tests, and a series of other. A year later, nearly to the day, um, they decided to launch a Saint Paul Police Academy, and I was number twenty-four on the list or number twenty-one. Out of a list of twenty-four, and so um, ended up uh, later. you know, So I, yeah, so I did that, and I wasn't sure that that was my career, even though that's had been around. With i had been around it, I didn't wasn't really thinking about it so much as that I'd be there for a long time. Went back, finished my uh, bachelor's degree, and, and went on from there. But um, but ultimately, yeah, it was one of those things that I I didn't expect it. I didn't expect to do that. It was for experience, but the experience, as I look back. As I, all of it's prepared me f- to participate at this level today and hopefully be able to make a contribution to do what my grandparents always asked. Leave things a little bit better than you found them.
0: And you, Sheriff, kind of climbed the ranks in St. Paul, retiring as a sheriff in 2016. I know you've done done a lot in, in that time, but you've uh, seen for yourself the changes in the profession. It seems like they've happened quite quickly uh, since your retirement. But set the scene a bit. Uh, talk about you know how bad really is this recruitment retention uh, crisis post George Floyd in Minnesota specifically. But what are departments? What are officers saying?
1: So what I'm and maybe we could talk about it a couple of ways. One is what are officers concerned about? What are what's the community concerned about? Um, when we look at the numbers, one of the things I've heard from recruitment for many many years: oh, we just don't have the same number of people applying and. That's okay. To me, that wasn't necessarily a problem because there were a lot of people applying that really didn't, shouldn't be police officers. They just weren't quite ready to do that job. So the number wasn't necessarily the, the big factor to me. It was, are the people that we really need to have as police officers feeling like this is a good career choice and that they can make a significant contribution to their community? That's the question. and To me, that was the question. And now those numbers uh, are, are concerning. Um, and, and what I what concerns me in some some places is is they think well there's fewer people signing up so therefore that's the problem. No, that could be demographics too. I mean, we don't have the same number of people graduating from school and entering the workforce, so part of it's demographics. But back to your point, there has been a shift in in a couple different things. One is is that uh, if I can, I'm kind of going a little bit long, but if you let me tell another story, this is actually. Let me point back to my father. The reason my father became a police officer was because he was working as a salesperson in downtown St. Paul, at one of the department stores down there. And he recounts the story of a police officer, St. Paul police officer walking the beat and saying hi to him and being kind to him and striking up a conversation. And over time, that police officer periodically would say, hey, Danny, you should think about becoming a police officer. You make a good police officer. He'd never thought about it before. Well, Ultimately, he decided, yeah, I think I'll get out of sales. Let me try this police officer thing, see if they'll take me. They did. My dad's brother then subsequently, several years later, became a St. Paul police officer, and then look at me. Uh, I ended up following in those footsteps. wasn't a grand plan, but let's trace back. How did it all start? It started because there was a police officer on the beat, saw something special in this guy, and said, "You should. you should be a police officer. That's my concern, is that I don't think police officers are doing that very much anymore. Maybe even in their own households, you know, if their daughter or their son were to say, "Hey, yeah, I'd like to be a police officer someday, like you, Dad, or like you, Mom." I don't think we're having those conversations like we used to, and and parents are saying that they, that they would say, "You know, there's other jobs out there. That might have been a good job before, but maybe you don't need the drama now, and you should think about something else." That's the part that concerns me the most is that. The the way that police officers have oftentimes entered the field has been through healthy home conversations, and I'm not sure that those are occurring.
0: So, Sheriff, even outside Minneapolis and St. Paul, you mentioned some of the numbers when you come on the job, but a Rochester comparison that MPPOA shared with us, 18 applicants for 10 open spots. Well, five open spots more than 20 years ago garnered 550 applications. So these are even in smaller communities uh, across the state. But I know you've said that it's not necessarily the chief or the sheriff's job to, to do the, the recruiting or be in that lead position. But it, but explain that. Uh, who is responsible for this?
1: It's a community piece. And, and it's actually police officers. I, I think it's both sides of that. Now, with the chief and sheriff they have a responsibility to invite people and to have a work environment where anybody in their community would feel valued, welcome and capable of contributing to their community. That's so that the, the sheriff and the chief do have an obligation. However, when it comes to recruitment, that's a very personal piece. And so the sheriff or the chief can stand and be as welcoming as they can, holding the door open saying, "Hey, we need you. You'll be you'll be welcome here. You'll be able to use your gifts and talents here." Well, unless someone that they know taps them on the shoulder at some point, that recruit is not coming through the door. And when I say taps them on the shoulder, this could be a coach, <clears throat>
0: excuse
1: me, could be a teacher who, uh, okay, I, I tell stories, so let me, let me tell another story. Um, picture a, 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 a young girl, young boy at recess, and there's a, the, sixth, the fifth graders are picking on the third graders, right? And this young girl or young boy just can't stand it and goes over there, interrupts the bullies. And a teacher sees that. There would be a time in our lives where that teacher or that coach that was there and witnessed it would say, you know, Jane, I saw what you did there. Thank you. You'd make a great police officer. We'd be proud of you if you did that someday. Or they say that to the young boy in the same fashion. Now, that doesn't mean they go on to become police officers, but that interaction plants a seed. That what they did was purposeful, it was important, and somebody they trusted said, We think you'd be good at this. Well, so do kids hear those voices? Do they hear that anymore from teachers and coaches? Do they hear that around their own supper table? How do they talk about the police? Do they say, Hey, if you, and so freshman studies is very common, right? We come home from school, the parents will ask, Hey, what do you want to, you know, what are you studying today? They say, Hey, we're doing careers this, right now in this semester. Okay, what are you thinking about? you have to ask yourself some questions. Does that young girl, does that young boy say, you know, I'm thinking about becoming a police officer. Now, are they going to say that based on what they've heard at family gatherings, at picnics, at parks with their peers? Um, and then if they do say that, what's going to be the response of the parents in that setting? And, and then, so that would be an illustration. I have more, but I'll, I'll just pause there for a second.
0: Well, and I also think, you know, that's a good point to bring up all the media is sometimes perpetuating a lot of uh, this as well when they're turning on the news and the police are, are being portrayed, frankly, as the bad guys.
1: Right. And, and when you look at if, if a city takes on, let's say, the Ramsey County Communications Center, they receive over a million calls for help every year. And some of which, of course, are fire and, and medical related. But of those calls, how many of those turn into some sort of a complaint? Very, very few. How many become a use of force question? How many become so? There's this ma- amazing, amazing group of women and men that are out there doing their jobs. That's evidence of it. The numbers would show it. The problem, though, is is that when you do make a mistake or you make a judgment call that others say I would have, I, I think you should have made a different judgment, it's portrayed and if people see it often enough that they think the exception it must be the rule. And you're exactly right. I think media does hinder. The recruitment of 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 future police Uh, officers—they do influence it. It's uh, unfortunately we are influenced by the people around us and the things that we watch.
0: There is also, it seems, this laser focus on on race, uh, you know, and and gender. Do you think that should be the case?
1: Well, if you look at some of the work that I've been able to do, is that this isn't things that I've developed. I just listen. I listen to community members, and I say, what's at the core of trust? So the primary question in these circumstances is to increase the level of trust between your city, your community, and the police department, what type of people should we hire? And then just listen. And it's an amazing thing that comes out of that, and there's really four different things that will show up. Cultural competence, servant leadership, emotional intelligence, and high character. Of those overwhelmingly the piece that people talk about the most and emphasize the most as far as police community trust is the character of the of the police officers and by character we we would use they would use terms like uh, respect honesty service and compassion empathy or compassion those really would be the big four and they would say you know if someone practices those they're going to check the boxes for cultural competence servant leadership and emotional intelligence so it's a it's a very interesting thing very different than what you might detect if you monitor social media or you follow any of the type of tv shows that are related to policing uh, on television whether it's drama or real life
0: talk about your fears surrounding quality candidate recruitment then as this has to be a concern with with such a small pool uh, applying for these jobs
1: Every industry wants more people applying for their jobs. They want the highest quality. So I, I get that. And police, we definitely want to do that. One of the areas too has to do with now with competitive wages. You know, if you want high quality people, are you paying a, a wage relevant to what they might get in the in the private sector? Um, and I think people with the type of characteristics that we're talking about that want to provide service that think of others before they think of themselves they're not necessarily looking to get rich, but they do want to be treated fairly, you know, for compensation. So that's one thing I think communities have to look at is how are we compensating our police officers? But the other thing that needs to happen is, and this is where I'll probe a little bit further when I'm listening to community groups, talk about the type of police officer that say, all right, you've given me all this great insight into what makes a trustworthy police officer. How many people in your sphere of influence in your lives have you tapped on the shoulder and, because they had those characteristics. And you said, our family would be proud of you if you served as a police officer, your community needs you. And if, they, and, and if they shake their heads and say, I guess I haven't, then I have to ask the question, have your neighbors done this? Have your extended family done this? And, and then I go, I probe a little further and they're like, I said, because you're leaders, if you're not doing it and your neighbors aren't doing it, where is it that the chiefs and sheriffs are supposed to be able to recruit these people with these characteristics from. I said, the chiefs and the sheriffs and the and the profession as a whole needs your help desperately. And if I may, I'm gonna continue with one other thing about the hiring push. Uh, that question that you asked about what, what should we do? Well, here's what not to do. Don't just fill spaces. I think every chief and every sheriff would say, Look, just because you have room for 20 police officers, but you have 15 candidates, can't qualified candidates, don't take the next best five. That is, don't do it. You are better off running short. That's been my experience, and I think the data would show that the officers that end up not performing at the highest level for their entire career are those, that the ones that you decided to fill the seats and hope that they got better. I don't have experience that that happened. So... Hire only your top performers. Run light, run short for a little while until you can find the next the next best five.
0: I know there is one department, sheriff, in your mind that that stands out doing things the the right way in Minnesota. But but explain uh, which department you're talking about and and why.
1: Sure, I, I actually talk about two communities and but slightly differently. Let's talk about I'll talk about Falcon Heights. But first, let me go directly toward what I see happening in in the city of Bloomington. They are tremendously focused on their core values, their mission, their vision. And it's so many places you hear that from the boss and you would roll your eyes and say, oh, I've heard this before. Do uh, so they really mean it. In this case, that's a department that really means it. And and if you ever have a chance to visit with Chief Hodges, you'll say, "What, what makes what drives you, what drives your department, and what's going to make you successful? And he will choose one word, respect. And he talks about that as that needs to be the driving force within the department, that we respect each other and we respect our community. Conversely, he sees his job as the chief to tell the community, if you want your police officers to respect you, you need to respect them. It's the only way that this will work. And then, then to use those things to drive, to, to use that perspective and to drive who you hire, what questions are you asking at your interview, what are you looking for in your backgrounds, And are you reinforcing this in your training and in your annual performance appraisals? Because if you say respect is important, but you don't measure it, are you really... Are you really making that part of your culture? And that's one of those things that respect is driving what's happening there. And you're seeing transformation. And and here's the amazing part is he's not trying to draw attention to it. He's just doing this because he believes this is the right thing to do for his people.
0: There was another community you also wanted to to mention.
1: Yeah. So you remember uh, several years ago, the the tragedy surrounding Falando Castillo and what happened in Falcon Heights. And they really took a deep dive into what does it look like to provide policing services in a smaller community, in their case, 5,500, what does that look like? How do we do this? Do we need to have our own department? Do we um, uh, do we uh, uh, contract with a local agency to help us provide these services? And so, similarly, uh, I was I was asked to spend some time with them because they wanted to say, "All right, we had all these great objectives. How many of these have we achieved? How many are left to be undone?" And what might be the roadmap forward to continue to be the police, to provide safety services the way our community would like to. And so where did I start? I started with small groups, you can call them focus groups, but research groups, and asked community members in an intimate setting, not on a survey, but face-to-face, to to increase the level of trust between the police and Falcon Heights. What type of people should we hire? Remember what? and, And guess what happened? Cultural competence, servant leadership, emotional intelligence, and high character. And they focused on respect, empathy, honesty, and leadership. Those were the things that they said. So when we, so how do they use that? So now, as they're starting to look for an agency to partner with them to provide policing services, that's the lens through which they're looking at. They want to find a department who, has, who shares those same values. And in that way, it, it mutually benefits both agencies, both, the, both cities.
0: Tragically, Pope County Deputy Josh Owen was shot and killed on his 44th birthday uh, just recently, protecting and serving on on April 15th. Uh, the tribute for this man was was truly remarkable. I know it was something you followed as well. Four thousand, more than four thousand people attending the funeral. What do you think that kind of tribute meant uh, to Minnesota law enforcement during such a, a difficult time for, for so many?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna take it from the impression that it made on me, and I'll go back to when for those. Uh, uh, viewers or listeners that are familiar with what happened on a tragic day in St. Paul in the early 90s with Ron Ryan Jr. and and Tim Jones. Uh, Those two officers were killed on the same day by the same purpose or by the same perpetrator. But what I found being in the procession um, associated with uh, the memorial services was how moved I was. And to this day, I'll talk about it. I do get emotional thinking about it. I'm transported back. Because for the first time in my life, lining the streets were the people that I never saw. And they were standing there, hands over their hearts with a flag saluting. And it made all the difference for me that in an unspoken way, those were the people I took the job to protect. And and so for those people that were kind enough to show up, yes, it's a benefit to the family, but you, you have no idea how powerful that is for police officers and and the sad part is we all wish it didn't come to a a tragic event like this where uh, the community shows their support but I'm so grateful that Minnesota was willing to do that because they did send a positive message to law enforcement throughout the state and and maybe even the upper Midwest.
0: And talk about as we come to a close here Sheriff if you look into the crystal ball how long before this turns around and talk a bit more about that what we can all do uh, you know to show more support for law enforcement.
1: So, wow. Boy, if I had the crystal ball, wouldn't that be something? Um, so here's what I would expect. I, I I believe now is a very good time for people to get into law enforcement. I think that there's tremendous opportunities. I think the profession has advancement in areas of interest that were not there 30 years ago that are there now. I think the training, the equipment, um, the opportunities to use your gifts and talents uh, have changed. And so I think it is a, I think it is a great job. Uh, the other thing that I, I, I think is is that um, it is my hope that families will start to see that, and, and community members will start to see the police department can't be the department that reflects us unless we help recruit the people into that. That's a cultural change. That's a cultural change in our community, and part of that, I'm going to continue to drive that as much as I can. But as you do stories like this, hopefully that plants some seeds with some people, too, where they can take an, you know, a little bit more introspective look to say, you know what, this is about my neighbors, what can I do? And I want more people outside law enforcement to do that. Um, I, th- I think we're going to be okay, as long as we don't when I say we police officers and, and law enforcement, I think we'll be okay, as long as we weather this, this downturn in staffing, and not worry about filling all the seats, continue to maintain the high standards that, that all of our communities desire maintain those high standards. Because when you maintain high standards, you know what that says? If you're a person with high standards, that's the department you want to go to. That's the community you want to work at. When you lower standards, the the, the opposite happens. So uh, the amazing part is, is that the diversity that people are seeking actually coalesces. It comes together. It's it's an amazing thing to witness. You will, you will see that character isn't just a, a male or a female thing. It isn't just an ethnicity thing. It actually crosses all all areas and all people and so it's an amazing thing when you start to see that come together that it answers it checks all of those other boxes and diversity cultural competence all of that, all of that works when you hire for the shared values or the characteristics and and if I can leave you with this is kind of a tagline but the community if I want to summarize what it takes to be consistent to increase trust and to find the best people hire for character train for competence That's the cadence. Hire for character, train for confidence, and stay with that.
0: And tell people where they can find more information about uh, your work, Center for Values. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, hopefully it's easy. Values, all compressed, dot com.
0: Well, Sheriff Bostrom, we thank you so much for for joining me today. And really, thank you so much for the work that you continue to do. Uh,
1: Thank you again for your interest and and, uh, appreciate the opportunity to spend some time today with you.
0: Again, retired Ramsey County Sheriff... Matt Bostrom. And that will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We will see you next time.